to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Get yourself greased up and wrestle that pig. And Neil Potter. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> my Mrs. Doubtfire impression. <laughs> oh, nice. I, I actually nice. picked that up. I was pretty good. Thanks. I apologize that I missed it, but uh, it was very good. And now that I know what it is, it was very <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, Nicely yeah. done. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> today, <laughs> um, speaking of movies that should never be remade, today we're. <laughs> Wait, this movie was remade? Yep. Believe it or not. Um, hot take, never remake Mrs. Doubtfire, and maybe maybe Carrie shouldn't have been remade either. What if they remake um, Mrs. Doubtfire, but Will Smith is Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. cool. If he just does the exact same lines as the original, but just like as Will Smith, I mean, I'm sure it'll work. Like, how could you go wrong? It'll be your funny. It'll be as good as your favorite movie, Hitch. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say, what if they remade Mrs. Doubtfire, but she had telekinesis? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of telekinesis, we are on part 17 on our series on Julian Moore. And of course, we are talking about the 2013 remake, um, Carrie. based off of a classic Stephen King novel. Uh, It was directed by uh, Kimberly Pierce, and it stars Chloe Grace Moretz and Julianne Moore. Um, According to IMDb, it is about a shy girl outcasted by her peers and sheltered by her religious mother unleashes telekinetic terror on her small town <laughs> after being pushed too far at her senior prom. Um, as always, we'll start off with some movie trivia on Carrie, then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on the movie, um, then ending with some final thoughts. And, of course, as always, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations. So, Tyler, you want to kick this off with some trivia? Heck yeah. Every episode, I have four bits of trivia from our movie of choice, and you guys have to figure out which one I made up completely. So, starting with number one, in the pig farm scene, Billy Nolan, played by Alex Russell, kisses the sledgehammer before killing the pig. Alex Russell actually got sick after this because there were pig droppings on the sledgehammer. (laughs) Number two, the rocks that rain at the end of the film were real. Stunt doubles were used so as not to harm the real actresses. What? Number three, according to test audiences and actors who were in the film, there are nearly 45 minutes of unused footage that were cut when the film was delayed by seven months for extensive editing. It is believed that the film's violence was heavily cut due to the recent Sandy Hook school shooting. Hmm. Number four, filming was suspended for a week after three cast members, including Portisha Doubleday, suffered heat stroke in 103 degree weather during the football field exercise scene. All right. 
Neil, you want to pick out <laughs> which one is the fake? Oh, man. All of those are extremely plausible, in my opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. Gosh, I'm going to go with the first one of the kid getting sick kissing pig shit. <laughs> All right. Ben? I have to go with um, the second one about the rocks falling, because that just seems unnecessary <laughs> yeah you would think so but uh, <laughs> apparently that's what happened there were real rocks used in the end, end sequence Interesting. Uh, so yeah they used stunt doubles uh, and he actually did get sick from kissing pig shit so ah. <laughs> no the fake one was number four filming was suspended after uh for a week for after three cast members got heat stroke that is not correct uh there was uh 103 degree weather on that day of filming uh but they had to delay for the heat not because anybody actually got sick mm. Mm. Uh, uh which means that number three is also true that the uh, there was nearly 45 minutes of unused footage and much of that was shown to test audiences uh, and much of it was much more violent and they believe that it was cut due to the fact that the Sandy Hook shooting happened only about four months before the film was released mm. and you can imagine how a film that's about you know killing your <laughs> classmates in a fit of rage um, yeah. might come across as a little insensitive. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. I mean, I think I, so, yeah, some of the most interesting things about this are watching that stuff with more modern effects, but yeah, I guess we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, I wonder what was cut. Like, is it just like more like, death scenes like during that last like the movie is pretty hardcore yeah like, it is even as, as it, it is, is. Yeah. yeah i can't imagine what was cut um and yeah it's uh, i mean like it's such a i definitely thought about um all of that like it's i mean like delaying a movie um, because of like the climate is like one of the like it's like the last like bad thing like on the list you know yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. at the very bottom uh, the thing that I thought about a lot was the movie Heathers um, have you guys ever seen that movie? No I think no. you've mentioned it like 14 yeah. times on the podcast but <laughs> I've never seen it <laughs> yeah okay it's one of my like all time favorite movies it's stars Winona Ryder and uh, Christian Slater <laughs> and it's about um, it's kind of about like two burnouts that meet each other and just decide to wreak havoc on the like popular girls um, there's like three girls named Heather um, I think they're all named Heather and they just like they just decide that they're going to just like torture them and, you know, then, like, everything goes, like, out of control from there, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very, obviously, um, actually, it came out in, when did the original Carrie come out? Oh, 76. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Heathers came out in 1988. So it, it probably, it probably had Carrie, the original Carrie on its mind. Um, 
and it's it seems very like parallel to this movie mm-hmm. um and then of course they tried to make a tv show adaptation of heather's like only last year i think and it got delayed like like i don't think i'm exaggerating it got delayed like eight times um, because of school shootings and i don't even know if it ever aired like i think hmm. you can find it because i think they just like dumped it on like itunes or something that's crazy but, yeah um uh but yeah so this movie um oh god i don't even know where to start because uh you know in light of that it's obviously hard to separate yourself from just like reality when watching a movie um but that being said uh I had real problems with this movie because I don't I don't understand who we're supposed to root for root for mm-hmm. in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if you guys felt the same way, but like uh, I, like you would think Carrie is the protagonist of this movie that like she is bullied and uh, has a like terrible home life, and you kind of like it's like you kind of expect like oh there when she gets revenge it's going to be cathartic but it's not like this movie doesn't go to like inglorious bastards where like when they start like killing hitler and killing a bunch of nazis you're like hell yes this is awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> <But> then, yeah <laughs> it's also not like it's uh this is a weird movie to reference maybe but it's also not like Star Wars Revenge of the Sith when you're watching someone become Darth Vader. Right. And you're like, you're right. like no, no, I, I can't root for this, but like you're stuck with it. Right. There he is. Killing I mean, I younglings. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's the, the kind of feeling they were going for. But yeah, I tend to agree that it, it didn't really feel uh, – it didn't really land right there there's so much going on with so many side characters throughout the whole first two thirds of the movie that when you finally get to the climax it's just like it it felt like an inevitability and i don't know if that's just because i'm so familiar with the pop culture knowledge of how the movie ends Mm -hmm. that it just felt like it was all driving to that in a way that felt not very organic oh yeah uh, uh i had that same thought uh right? because i had a hard time believing that carrie in this movie was bullied at all like the very first scene i get, like that's the worst bit of it uh but it's like outside of that one incident she seems extremely just relatable and normal <laughs> to me almost yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't know uh, yeah you're talking about the the PE scene where they're throwing tampons at her. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's the weird thing, because it's like she is a shy girl. It seems like she doesn't talk to anyone. Uh, it's not until, like, the last half of the movie when they're, like, they allude to that she, like, has been constantly telling people that they're going to go to hell. and So it's like... 
they really never they really never do put in the work to like make any of these characters like in any characterization to anyone in this movie mm-hmm. right they're just kind of like they're just kind of like there i think the closest we get to that is one of the other girls that um that has she was part of that first bullying a little bit but then she kind of like realized how fucking terrible it was and stopped and then the rest of the movie she's like trying to make up for what she did right mm-hmm. like that that's that character i felt was the most uh most believable in the sense that like they actually were con- like contemplating the consequences of their actions <laughs> right it, like yeah. no one else I mean, maybe that's just kids in high school, right? Like, I I don't know. Kids are dumb. But, like, no one else felt very believable. They were all just very one-note. Like, I have... I I am the plot driver. Like, I am the one who has to build Carrie up to her climax that we all know is coming. Like, that's what so much of it felt like. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the villain, the, like, villain, quote-unquote, of the movie is the girl who, like, films... Um, everyone throwing tampons at Carrie and then she like uploads it to YouTube mm-hmm. for like and that like doesn't go anywhere but like <laughs> right. and then like she's the one that she's like she's just evil like right. she's just has Carrie is her like just she's just decided that she's going to just be mean to this girl mm-hmm. Um, and they really don't give a reason just the only reason really is that she's just a bully, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like an extreme case of bullying. Like mm-hmm. that we need a bully this bad because we're in a movie kind of bully. Like I've never, well, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, that's, that's one of those things with, I think, uh, remakes of movies about younger people are really hard to do or I mean I guess in this case it's a book but like same the point still stands the the framework that we lived in you know (laughs) even when we were in school which was you know almost 15 years ago now (gasps) like (laughs) (laughs) like even when I was in high school, it was never like this, right? And I was in a, a somewhat smaller school, so maybe that helps explain it a little bit. But, like, nobody got bullied. Like, nobody <laughs> would have ever been the uh, the victim of, like, an entire gym uh, class of girls throwing tampons at someone who doesn't understand they're having their period. Like, that's, yeah. like, disturbingly terrible. And I don't I, – I mean – I'm sure that there are some schools out there where this kind of behavior happens and but it just felt very unbelievable and and maybe it was more commonplace for that kind of like extreme bullying back in like the 50s and 60s but that I just find it so hard to believe whenever there's you know modern depictions of school age children being that terrible to each other like it's just it's disturbing almost more disturbing that like adults think that children are capable of doing those things to each other (laughs) but I don't know yeah it's just it's also just weird because they're like there's really only like three students depicted like four I guess if you count 
uh, Ansel Elgort's character. But, like, it's just kind of, you know, that bullying scene in the locker room, it's just, like, the entire class is in on it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all standing around. Yeah. Right. And, like, usually, usually it's just one person and then their posse and then everyone else is just kind of, like snickering and letting it happen you Mm -hmm. know but like not actively participating in it like it was it's such a weird scene just because it's uh it's just like the entire class turns on her yeah it's portrayed so black and white you know Mm -hmm. it's her versus literally everyone else which seems absurd and it's the second scene like it's the second scene of Carrie in the entire movie, too, yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, right. we don't even really know this character. Exactly. And the scene prior to that really felt more real to me. And I was actually having, like, uh, like nightmare flashbacks to being in <laughs> high school BE. Yeah. <laughs> where they're playing, like, water volleyball. And the... Uh, Wait, you, you didn't the, play water ball in your high school? No, no, we didn't have a pool. Neither did so. my school. We didn't either. I don't know <laughs> what that was. You just hated being active? Is that what you were scared of? No, 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 no. It's, uh, okay. So it's the when the like ball like floated over to Carrie and the oh, PE sure. teacher was like, all right, Carrie, it's your turn to serve. And then she hits that girl in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. like, that was 100% me constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, feel like they they could have done more things like that to and have you have you build up to the one big thing uh, that was like the final straw. I mean, I guess they kind of do that with the at the very end, the climax being the final straw. But like it had been so much time had passed since she'd really been bullied at all. That it almost mm-hmm. felt like, well, wh- why is she still? Why? Why would this set her off? You know, it. It. it I don't know. It's. There's not very much uh, continuity between the bullying and the the ending climax. I don't feel like. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's br- touch on the very very first scene of the movie, which is like <laughs> Julian Moore giving birth in a room. Yeah, yeah like, it's her like bedroom. It looked like her home room, mm-hmm. like the room in her house that like both her and Carrie live in. Right. Mm-hmm. And like maybe I missed any significance in that. But like w- what was the tension with her like thrusting the scissors at her baby to see if it flinch? Like what? So well, this is something I actually had to look up. So in the book, it's explicit that she does not know she's pregnant. Um, I wondered is about that. I think yeah. that happens. Like, sure. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, it's never like explained, but uh, Carrie is born out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. So, like, her father, who I think died from cancer, uh, maybe, <laughs> like, it's all, it's all like, there's like several lines that hint to this, but I think that um, it's. I think that uh, Julian Moore says that um, they were not married but mm-hmm. living together 
and when she got pregnant. Yeah, I think um, I remember saying her saying something about that, but it was like mm-hmm. it was so unclear because she was always revealing these little tidbits about her past in very like tense moments, and she's speaking quickly, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not following what what the situation is here. Am I is this supposed to be explaining like where her powers came from or just why her mother doesn't <laughs> like her? Like I I just wasn't following that part. Right. Yeah. Yeah, cause that, cause like with the scissors, I think she, cause, like that character struggles with having Carrie as a child because that's like her ultimate sin mm-hmm. is that, um, she like had a baby when she wasn't married, mm-hmm. um, and then like she must know that she has telekinetic powers too. For like a lot of her life because there's also so. this like she thinks that Carrie is the devil mm-hmm. um, which is really fucked up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah, it is. It, it's, it's conceptually way more fucked up than I feel like they even present it in this movie like I maybe it's just that Julianne Moore was miscast for this but I wasn't buying her like extreme levels of the uh, I wasn't buying the fact that she is so abusive to this girl like I mm-hmm. feel like they could have done more with that and I don't I don't know if it's just because like my perception of Julianne Moore colors the character like I find her as like a normally like bubbly high energy happy person mm-hmm. but it just it wasn't really working for me to have her be the villain here she wasn't she wasn't very um, she wasn't very explosive in like her anger. It was more just like, I don't know. It felt more like she was consistently disappointed with her daughter's level of devoutness more mm-hmm. so than like hating her for what she is. Yeah. Um, I think they uh, should have done more development with the mom. Like, yeah. because mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it was miscast so much. Like, I think she could have done a better job. I agree with you that I feel like she is more of that bubbly personality. But, like, I think she could have done well in this really disheveled, like, weird role. But, like, they didn't play that up enough. Like, yeah. it, you, she wasn't in it an awful lot. Uh, and, the, you know, the part she was in, like, yeah, she was really kind of crazy and weird. But... I don't know. Maybe just to maybe dive in a bit on like that more or the relationship between her and her daughter more to explain a little bit more. I, mm. th- yeah, I think that would have served the movie quite a bit better. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Neil. Like I, I actually really liked Julia Moore in this part. I thought she was pretty incredible. Um, it's just that, you know, when you said that there was like 45 minutes cut from the movie, um, like, I I hope I I kind of wish that that was all like backstory between, or or like all like character development between uh, Julian Moore and Chloe Grace Moretz characters, mm-hmm. uh, because like this movie like really needed it. It was it was just all plot heavy and mm-hmm. it didn't do well by the character like any of the characters to 
like make that plot worthwhile at all. Yeah, I thought the the religious overtones and that like overbearing mother figure kind of thing was way more that was actually way more interesting than the bullying aspect. And I feel like the bullying mm-hmm. should have been depicted more as like a trigger for the pent up uh like difficulties that she's dealt with in her home life. And I mean, that's typically how it works for kids like that, right? Like they, they usually have terrible home lives and then getting piled on top of that at school is what finally flips the switch. Right. And Mm. they, it just, it felt like they focused so much on the, um, just the interactions with her and other girls at school that that didn't feel like that should have been the, the major impetus for her break at the end. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, the, definitely the religious overtones would have like pl- played up and that would have made this like, and it would have made it feel more like a horror movie too. Right. Like yeah, that, right. that kind of shit is creepy as fuck. Like that, when you, when you have someone who is that devout and like bizarrely obsessed with their religion, like that's scary. Right. Like it's, that, yeah. that's such so the a point theme. That they're like, locking their child in a closet and like forcing them to pray. Right. Mm. And that like, that's the kind of scary shit that happens. Like you hear stories about stuff like that on a relatively and sadly regular basis. Mm. Um, and I think that's what is scary about this movie. And I, I didn't feel like the few scenes where that was really on display did a whole lot to scare me. Yeah. No. Like the when when she gets locked in the closet under the stairs for the first time, uh, she like she just falls asleep on the floor and then her mom eventually comes in to let her out. And it's just like, yeah. okay. I mean, that yeah. wasn't so bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was probably locked in there for like hours and hours. Right. But, but it's like, just the way it was depicted and like how it showed her mom like having what seemed like a genuine concern and, and love for her child at the end, it was just like, okay, well, wh- what am I supposed to think here? Like, is the mom, like, are we supposed to feel sympathy for her because she has some kind of like mental condition or are we going full horror here and just making her the bad guy? Like it just, I was so confused. And you, I mean, you said it's right up front. Like I just, I didn't know who I was supposed to root for here. Um, yeah, like there are moments where you almost want you, you're almost, uh, rooting for Carrie to like snap her mother out of it so that they can be a happy family again. And it's like, that feels like the wrong, as much as that, you know, obviously we would want that in real life. It doesn't feel like a very compelling thing you should be asking your audience to consider in a horror movie. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I think it's interesting that they also both like there's several scenes of them both like expressing love for one each other, one, one, uh, whatever. (laughs) Um, Like, so like, yeah, there's all these moments uh, that like Carrie obviously loves her mother and vice versa. But um, I just don't think that ever quite works out Mm -hmm. because like at the end of the movie, she like she when they like have this crazy like uh like battle um it's just it's just weird because it's never 
I feel like they just never got that relationship down. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is uh, there's, I feel like that's that ending scene where they, uh, I mean, it's after the whole school, uh, climax and she's returned to their house and the way that she kills her mom, you're just like, holy fuck, like that was maybe overkill. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't feel like the the way you would kill someone that you, where you'd actually feel bad about it, which is how they depicted it. Like she was crying and upset that she killed her mom. And it's like you just consciously stabbed her with every sharp object in the house. Like mm-hmm. it there's a disconnect here like it would have been including a ruler too yeah <laughs> which isn't even sharp <laughs> like, That's I would have, worse i would have found that so much more powerful if she like if her mom was attacking her and she just like quickly and suddenly responded with her power in a way that was more than just stopping her from killing her, but accidentally kills her instead. Right. Like that would have been so much more believable that she would then be upset about having done it. Instead, we get this like matrix, like camera swoop with (laughs) frozen sharp objects in the air that all stab her at the same time Mm -hmm. after she says like, I'm so sorry or something like that. Doesn't she like, I swear yeah, she I says so. something to her mom before she stabs her 500 times. It's just <laughs> so weird. I I didn't... Which that, was actually... Uh, I actually liked that shot, even though it didn't make sense. It was yeah. very, like, indulgent. Right. But it was, like, the first time that there was, like... I felt like there was actual camera work. Style like, at play. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And, and then I, I assumed those were all CG knives, but... Maybe they could have been suspended by wires. I don't know, but I um, mean, it, it would it, that scene would have been cool if the mother would have been shown to be a much more villainous monster of a character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and kind of along the same lines, the the part where she kind of flips out in, at the prom, I thought was like. I'm a mustache twirling villain here. Like (laughs) it seemed like really just over the top theatrical where I wish like I like I've seen the first one like, oh, my gosh, probably 15, 20 years ago now. So, like, I don't remember what that last scene was like. Yeah, like, I've never seen it. So uh, it, it, it seems like she was like. I don't know, like just mwahaha, I you're all doomed now kind of a thing where it's like, <laughs> I don't feel like that's how she should be almost like panicking while like killing all of these people like or in just such a or in pain, like, yeah. in pain at least or yeah, in no. some kind of like maniacal fit like that. Right. I don't know. Yeah, she yeah, played but her, it. Like her, her prom date, like gets knocked unconscious by a, a bucket. Oh, did that and kill him or knock him unconscious? I think it was supposed to have killed him. I think so, too. Because he looked dead, and I'm like, really? <laughs> Just a bucket killed him? <laughs> but she also, like, lights the stage on fire, so he, if... If he didn't die from the bucket, he definitely died from the like <laughs> yeah, yeah. being engulfed in flames. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, like I think a lot of that comes down to the way that she played the character in that moment where she's like she has this like creepy witch vibe where she's like got her yeah. hands in the air. Like I, I've not seen the original, but I've seen enough of it just through pop culture references to know that 
like she has her hands down and it's she's just blankly staring almost like she's in a catatonic state which makes way mm-hmm. more sense right like the in this it like she appears appears very conscious of what she's doing she's staring directly at the people she's killing and she's moving her hands towards them and like almost like composing an orchestra of death it's like fucked yeah. up and, yeah. and she's reacting to things like it, she's it I never thought that she was like not in control. Right. And that's what made it feel so disconnected from the rest of the film. Like if this were, if this were as it's supposed to be a, an emotional reaction, like it should feel much more visceral and uncoordinated and just like Mm -hmm. spur, spur the moment. And I was even reading through some of the, um, some of the other trivia about how the director like planned out the deaths for each of the like bully girls that would like mirror their personalities like a good example being mm. the the main one having she was very vain and she has her face fucked up by the glass of the car at the mm. end like all that feels way too trite if <laughs> just yeah. it, like it feels way too like uh i don't know like college English creative writing class kind of thing. And maybe I'm criticizing Mm. Stephen King, but I don't know. I've read a lot of his books. And then after a while, I was like, these aren't good. So I stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's possible. Um, I mean, yeah. But yeah, it just, there's too much, there's too much like coordination going on there. And it just didn't feel true to like a, a high school kid that's bullied and having difficulties it just yeah so much right. of it was so strange one i'd like to kind of reference here that did a better job almost of the it's like uh, a newer version of this movie kind of essentially like chronicle i was like, just you, gonna say that yeah if you've seen, not seen chronicle um don't look up Max Landis in the news right now, but like not uh, today. <laughs> um, uh, but it was a it was a movie that uh, he wrote and Josh Trank directed. But it's it revolves around this kid or a group of kids who all get telekinetic powers, but one of them is bullied and has a bare, very bad home life, and like all the stuff you see him do, and Dane DeHaan, the actor who plays him, does a great job of portraying this, like. It seems like this is what he would do. Like he is it's he's fully in charge of his body and his powers. Like everything in this in that movie like feels right for the characters. Whereas in this like you don't get enough time to breathe with them and like everything just doesn't seem like the right move for them to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, Chronicles a great movie. It's hard to recommend it uh now because like Max, the writer Max Landis is like just a full on shithead, but like, yeah, like you said, Dane DeHaan is incredible in that movie, and then also Michael B. Jordan is, yeah, yeah. one of the characters, as well, who is he is incredible, mm-hmm. um, in that movie. So, a lot of good reasons to watch that movie, but. I understand <laughs> if, if you can't if you can't bring yourself to watch it. Find it for free. There you go. That'll solve. There you the go. <laughs> it has to be out there somewhere. Um, Crackle probably has it. <laughs> Whatever you don't watch on Crackle. <laughs> Sorry. Um, man, I tried to watch a movie on there. Um, oh, there's your first mistake. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, God, they have so many uh, ads yeah. on yeah. on that service. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, it's free, so I guess you can't complain. But um, here I am complaining. So like that. <laughs> um, all right, I want to like break down this prom scene. Um, anything you guys want to say? Uh, about like the movie before prom I mean it's all so formulaic up until this point there's really no scenes that are stand out that need to be talked about specifically I don't think the, yeah. the only there is a character that I want to talk about a little bit though um, the the gym teacher so yeah. she's yeah. another one of those characters in this movie where I'm just like I don't know if I'm supposed to like you or hate you like you're a well-meaning idiot, essentially. Like that's <laughs> right, yeah. that's what it came down to for me. Like she was trying to stand up for Carrie, but then she's doing like the dumbest stuff. Like when she um, when she confronts all of the girls on the football field, and she's like, one of the first things she says is like, "What you did was a really shitty thing to do, really shitty." And I'm just like, yeah. I don't know a high school teacher. Anywhere that would talk like that to their students, like right, right. college, maybe, but like that is so weird. And the actress mm-hmm. who is playing this character, I, I generally, I generally like her, but yeah, she was written so weird in this movie. I just didn't know what her the point of her character was. Yeah, second, it's so weird. Yeah, the actress is Judy Greer, who is incredible. Yeah, she's great, and. Uh, what what did you describe the character as? Like a well-meaning good, idiot. Well-meaning <laughs> idiot. Judy Greer plays that a well-meaning idiot uh, very well. Right, but it was like um, almost comical here. But yeah. I, it it fell out of place though, right? Like she wasn't like the comedic relief. She was a pretty central character to the events that were happening, and so yeah. she's like the detective that you're rooting for, but like is so close to the murderer. That like you just know that they're gonna get silenced, right? Right. Um. Yeah, I. It, yeah, that was such a weird character, and she. Yeah, it's just like it, it's. It just goes back to one of the things that like you never get time to like understand who these characters are. That like it's you like you want to root you want to root for Judy Greer's character because like she basically like knows what happened mm-hmm. but like just doesn't have the evidence to it right well and then she has that sequence where uh Carrie comes to her when um the you know the school jock popular guy asks her to prom and she responds with something like oh yeah well he's i mean he's pretty dreamy right and i'm like Really, pretty inappropriate, lady. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. oh, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of got that that she was kind of saying it almost jokingly, right? Like, but it, it's still she, weird. Like, mm-hmm. dude, I don't remember teachers talking like that to, to students. It just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, well, and just as another point, it, it would be like imagine the outrage. If the character was a man talking about a high school age girl in the same yeah, context, that's, right? Yeah, like that's it's, true. it's weird. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so let's get into this whole prom scene. It's definitely the climax of the movie. It's probably the like biggest set piece um, of the whole story. Uh, so just to set up, uh, Ansel Elgort's character, um, who is Tommy Ross, who's the boyfriend of um, Sue Snell, which is the most unfortunate name ever. <laughs> uh, but uh, Sue is the girl who is kind of, um, uh, we kind of already talked about it, who's kind of trying to like uh, repent for her, or for her sin of being a part of that uh, early bullying scene. And she talks her boyfriend into taking Carrie to prom. Uh, and so... Um, that happens with, with that, hap- that takes a long time to happen. Mm-hmm. And for basically like really no, like, like no one really talks about it outside of, um, Tommy and Carrie, like deciding to go to prom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, he picks her up in a limo. Um, which is pretty incredible for a high school student <laughs> uh, and for just a couple. Like, I don't think they go with any friends, but yeah. anyways. Um, Carrie makes her own dress, and there is that, uh, of course, um, her mom disapproves of everything. Uh, and then there is that incredible line delivered by Julia Moore where um, she's commenting on her daughter's cleavage uh, in her dress, and she says, I can see your dirty pillows. (laughs) (laughs) And then Carrie Carrie responds, breast mom, they're called breasts, which I thought, I mean, we're pretty, we're ragging on the writing in this movie, but that's some great A. That's some (laughs) incredible dialogue. That's like, it's... It's, it was written to be like a funny thing, though. Like, yeah, I guess that undercuts the whole. That it's just another point of like where Julianne Moore's character wasn't actually scary. She was like a an out of touch dunce. Like it, it, it was. Mm. She wasn't a threat. It didn't seem like. Yeah. Um. So they get to the school. Um. They get to prom, and uh, they're kind uh. They meet up with uh, Tommy's best friend, who I didn't recognize ever being seen in the movie. And then the best friend's girlfriend, who has never been seen in the movie because she goes to another school. Um, so then her and Carrie kind of like befriend each other, I guess. Like they're talking nicely. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few scenes of like some dancing and just like some generic prom stuff that I kind of liked because uh, it um, like Ansel Elgore is very charming and of uh, Chloe Grace Moretz plays a like very good awkward high schooler and I thought it was like whatever it was alright <laughs> and so um then we get to like the good then we get to like when things really get kicked off which I actually this was the point where 
actually just started laughing at the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I was having a really good time at this part, like, really only because of on the movie's expense, like, not because it was, like, quality or anything. But uh, a few notes. So um, they vote. There's a point where they vote for prom king and queen. And Carrie is has been nominated. Um, so <laughs> that was just weird to me. Like, how did she get nominated? Mm-hmm. Like, that's never discussed. Um, I thought in the original it was uh, rigged that the that the girl who was planning on dumping the pig's blood like rigged her to get nominated. Um, it's shown that they rigged the vote because they throw they throw a bunch of of their own votes into like the ballot box like right at the end. Um, so it's rigged for Carrie to win. Um, but the MC says that she won by one vote. So like <laughs> so did this you guys whole catch plan that? this whole plan wouldn't have worked if just like one person sat out the vote. <laughs> Yeah, if if Carrie didn't vote for herself, none of this would have wouldn't have happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just like what a weird line to throw in. Like why? Yeah, uh, it was so. Yeah, it's so laughable. So the, um, this the girl, the bully, and her boyfriend come in. Uh, she has been, uh, she has been like, um kicked out of prom like she's not allowed to show up so she's breaking into the school right now um her boyfriend does not go to high school so he has no reason to be here either so but they're sneaking in uh they sneak in right before the vote which means that they are probably like several hours late to prom uh and then in one of the most funniest scenes of the movie, after all of this happens, after they um, Carrie wins prom queen, uh, the blood gets dumped on, she starts freaking out, the bully and her boyfriend leave, <laughs> get into their getaway car, and they are blocked in. Yeah. There are four cars <laughs> parked around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, man, what a, like, killer party this much must be if you show up late and still get blocked in <laughs> yeah. like oh my god yeah that was the only good. way you could have made that scene better if they like zoomed in on the character's face because they're like moving the car to like try to like squeeze out and if you just zoomed into their face and we're just like oh brother <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I also loved how I think they might have replayed the blood splashing down on her head like 13 times. In slow motion. In slow motion. It was like so gratuitous. It's like, yeah, you remember this part from the original? (laughs) Well, here it is five times in a row. Like it just it there. There was nothing like I don't maybe it's just the the fact that this is now been done so many times like there's there's a tv remake of this as well back in 2002 like and it's so we've gotten beaten over the head with it so much in popular culture 
the, like the impact of this is just not it does it just doesn't have the same heft to it like it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like this would be the thing that sets her off um but so they have to like make up for the how inconsequential it is by replaying it seven times yeah and it's so it's it's like it's an iconic i i get why they showed it like why they felt like they had to show it because it's such an iconic scene mm-hmm. but it just like i think the problem is that it's not about like what's iconic about that is not just the act of dumping pig's blood on someone but it's everything leading up to right dumping pig's blood on someone well and they and they almost had a like really powerful uh like kickstart for this sequence with her the the her date dying but it, once again, it's undercut by him dying by having a bucket do- do- dropped on his head. Like, yeah. it, that's that's like the theme of this movie is like every powerful moment is undercut somehow. Like, mm-hmm. whether it be the way the sequence was written, the the performance by an actor, or like a, a dialogue bit that was either misperformed or just poorly conceived there are just so many little things that it's just like oh i want to like this but it's pretty laughable as it is Mm. right yeah yeah it's uh, i'd be interested to revisit the original (laughs) yeah um be uh um i honestly i think i watched on television when i saw it so I might have gotten like a like TV edit version. Yeah, you probably of it. did. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I just don't. It's so weird to like. I mean, it's almost like Psycho too. Um, the remake that we talked about. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's hard to imagine like what actually worked in this movie, like. You know, was it just like the shock, like watching a movie like this back in the 70s? Was it just the shock of it? Um, or was it like actually a well-written like story, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'd have to go back and see. I'd be curious to see, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then it ends in she runs First, she goes on like a killing rampage. She hunts down the bully, um, kills her, gets a great like walking away from an explosion shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the like the car and the gas, like the um, the like gas station that they're at, like explodes. Uh, that was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. uh, then she like rushes home and uh, like talks to her mom and then her mom like is just like this is it I got it I gotta kill you you're the devil now and uh, she pulls a Jon Snow and stabs her right in the back um, and then uh, then they have this some crazy fight where she's like Carrie's doing all this telekinesis she's throwing knives and shit and whatever it and it, <laughs> it just like and 
I just wanted this movie. I just wanted it to end mm-hmm. like way faster than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the thing with uh, um, Sue Snell, where she comes to try to like redeem Carrie and save her. Yeah, that was weird. Um, and then like Carrie finds out that she's pregnant, um, which. The audience knows because earlier in the movie, Sue Snell rushes to <laughs> the um, the bathroom and throws up. Of course. And, yep. And many people have pointed out that uh, this is like a very sexist thing that movies do where like women never the only time women throw up is because they're pregnant. Yeah. Like they never throw up due to like over drinking of like alcohol or like food poisoning or anything like that like they're only shown to throw up because they're pregnant (laughs) so it's like such a huge tell when she throws up and no one fucking talks about it and it's like oh all right you're pregnant yeah yeah Um, when women puke on tv and movies it's because they're pregnant when anyone coughs on tv or movie it's they're gonna die oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and then there's like this Another like character moment that just didn't work for me was when Carrie finds out that she's pregnant uh, with a daughter, and um, which is probably too early to find out. Carrie, like I don't know how long she was pregnant, um, but uh, she she saves Carrie saves this girl's life, um, which I read as like oh. You're pregnant with a daughter. Um, it's out of wedlock, just like my mother had me. And like, I know you'll be a better mother, so I'm gonna spare you. Uh, even though I kill, like, it, it just didn't work because, like, prior to that, at prom, she kills the PE teacher. Or no, I guess the PE teacher doesn't die. Yeah. But she almost kills the PE teacher, who is like the only person who is nice to her. She kills that like weird photography nerd who like <laughs> yeah. mansplained to Carrie how to like watch a video full screen. <laughs> uh like and then I'd kill it, that guy one, too though. God. Uh, yeah. It was <laughs> it's just so weird that like he got he had one scene and then he got like a a death scene. It was weird. Yeah. So it's just weird that it's like you're killing everyone, but then like you spare this one person who like, I guess was nice to you, but like, wasn't really, um, it's just odd. It's such a weird movie. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, that is kind of a, um, it's kind of an analogy to how like school shootings and school shooters rationalize their actions. Like they, they'll often think that even the people that are trying to be nice to them are trying to trick them. And like, that's kind of a theme in this movie. Right. And there are a lot of parallels with, uh, with people who lash out violently. But in this case, the damage is tenfold because you have literal superpowers. Right. So it, it's interesting from a thematic point of view, but the way it's characterized doesn't fit with that at all. Like it, it, it's not, it's, it's like you said, it's not, it's not the, uh, um, 
killing all the younglings, you know, like we're not, (laughs) we're not supposed to be, we're not watching a villain really. We're watching someone who like doesn't understand what their powers and doesn't, uh, and is reached a breaking point emotionally. But like, if we're we're kind of glorifying all these collateral damage killings and it's just so i that especially that photographer it's like are we supposed to be finding this uh enjoyable like that he's getting his comeuppance for being a kind of nice dude I, I i don't know there's there's a lot of confusion for me over like what that part of the movie is even trying to say when when there are such close uh, close analogies that you could be pulling from, but it doesn't feel like it's really trying to say anything. Yeah, I don't think this movie uh, is trying to say anything at all. I think it's just like um, it's just like repeating things that it's heard from like other movies. <laughs> yeah, that's and a good way to it put it. Thinks, yeah. Um, it's like how a child like repeats it just like repeats things that are like vulgar that they overheard adults say, but like they don't really understand what they're saying. Yeah. You know, that feels pretty accurate. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good way to end this, this whole thing. You guys, um, have anything else you need to cover? Not really. All right. Let's get into final thoughts. Uh, for every movie, we give Julian Moore a uh, a rating of one to five Julians on how we how we think we she did in this movie. Um, Neil, you want to start us off? Certainly. Uh, I I didn't really enjoy watching this a whole lot. Like it was fine, but like it did nothing for me. Like absolutely nothing. Uh, I don't want to say the cast was bad either. It was just poorly written, poorly executed, and just, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like it lived up to the, possibly the um, the acclaim that the either the book or first movie had. So, uh, and Julian Moore was, I don't I guess wasted in the role because like she didn't get a, enough to do and like didn't have enough development to like have us like love or hate her character a ton. I'm going to give this uh, a one, one out of five uh, there. If you want to see this, just watch the original if it's any better or uh, just uh, read the book. Or none of them. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you want. Your yeah. time is valuable. Uh, Tyler? Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to give this one a two Julians because it's just so – it's just there. Like this is just a movie that's just, just kind of there. You knew it came out, and you didn't care at the time, and you shouldn't now. Um, I don't. I don't particularly know why Julianne Moore decided this was a role she wanted. I mean, maybe it's similar to the situation with Psycho. Like remakes are always going to happen. They're always a paycheck. Like, and there's always a potential for it to be better than the original even though that's very slim it's like it's one of those things where it's like 
low risk high low risk potential high reward like if you come out the other side and every and the creators redid it and made it awesome then you're like really lauded but if it turns out to be shit like everyone just forgets it ever even happened and so it's like no no big deal right mm-hmm. so like maybe that's why she was in this i just i still contend that i think she was miscast i just i i've yet to see an example in any of the other movies that we've watched where i can envision her being a true villain and mm. you know maybe that's not how she was trying to be portray this character in this one and maybe that's not what the director was intending either but in doing so it failed at having anything powerful as far as like real horror goes so yeah it's just it's definitely not worth watching i mean there are some funny moments but ben like you said they're kind of unintentionally funny so unless you want to like get drunk with friends or high and laugh about it it's really i (laughs) i just say avoid it just avoid it yeah there's also better movies to do that exactly (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm going to give this, uh, one Julian. Um, I, uh, even though I felt like Julian Moore was giving a pretty good performance, um, I just think, yeah, she was wasted and it was just such a bad script. Um, I can understand that, like, I could understand if, like, she would, if she got sold on this movie because they like said like oh the first the first scene is you're going to be given birth and there's going to be a lot of screaming and crying and it's going to be great like i can understand like if she can be like oh yeah i can this is a role that i can sink my teeth into apparently that um, was a reshoot so that was yeah. definitely not the case <laughs> <laughs> of course um and yeah i think you know it's so weird when you hear about movies after the fact that like the script is like everyone gets hired and then suddenly the script is just rewrote just to shit and it's it kind of doesn't resemble like much of anything at all and uh i don't know if that was what happened in this case but i mean it happens so many times that it's pretty easy to just see that um and I, I think Chloe Grace Moretz was wasted in this role too. She's such a good actress, and this was kind of like around the time that she was coming up and getting a lot of like big movies. And I'm just surprised that like the titular character, the the main character of this movie, like such an iconic role, um, is just like wasted on screen. And I'm, it's it's mind boggling. But what are you gonna do? Um. All right, <laughs> let's end this uh, and get to some recommendations. Uh, for every movie we, uh, for every episode, sorry, we end you with uh, some recommendations that don't necessarily have to be movie related. Uh, but Neil, you got a recommendation for us? Sure do. Uh, I can't remember if Tyler, you had recommended this before, but I just recently got Beat Saber for my PSVR, and it is awesome. It is yep. just so yep. much damn fun. Like, I just like it, it's it's 
it's just like I don't know. It's immersive, and it's just like I picked it up and immediately just started dancing because like it's that like you just like get into it and like I I don't know. It's just incredible. I don't. I can't really just. I don't have a ton to say about it, but like it's just got the a sweet just like electro electronic soundtrack, like good visual aesthetics. Um, just yeah. And it's just super fun. Like, and it starts you off real slow, and you just kind of get used to the game, and then it starts picking up, and then you're just having a ton of fun, and it's a great little workout. I highly recommend getting Beat Saber. Don't sit on it like I was doing. Just get it. You'll have a ton of fun with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll reiterate my recommendation for that. I I might have recommended it directly, but maybe not. But yeah, it's we. My wife and I still play it weekly. It's so much fun. And they just released a, a new song pack that is uh, Imagine Dragons songs, which I'm not actually a fan of their music, but it is the perfect music for Beat Saber. It is like cool. the amazing, they have some amazing beats and the the um, <clears throat> the track mappings for the the beats that you have to hit are so good like lots of syncopated rhythms and triplets and stuff and so those are some of the most fun to transition between when you're playing a song nice yeah that that game is it it is a vr system seller i absolutely love it heck yeah beat saver (laughs) psvr I'm sure yeah. it's out for a ton of like Oculus oh, yeah. and stuff and honestly, too. Honestly, so. if you had to buy it on anything, I wouldn't buy it on PSVR because you can't mod the one on PSVR. <laughs> That's my um, only like downfall too. Like you can't just yeah. get a bunch of like songs for, that anybody can like do something to. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I I love this game so much that I'm I'm literally considering buying a VR headset for my PC just so I can play modded Beat Saber songs. Oh god, uh, it's it's really great. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so my recommendation is going to be uh, kind of one with a bit of a caveat, but it, so many other people are saying it's good that I'm going to go ahead and recommend it. I just started, uh, just restarted watching The Leftovers on uh, HBO's series that ended a few years back. Uh, it's about basically, basically thematically, I have no idea yet if it is actually The Rapture. Um, where just a certain percentage of the Earth's population disappears, kind of got snapped like Thanos. Uh, and it's basically just about everybody who got left behind and what, what's going on with them and wh- how they deal with the loss. Uh, if they don't know if their loved ones are dead or just missing or where what happened to them. Um, and it's really good. I'm 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 literally only one episode in. I had previously watched I think three episodes a couple years ago, and just fell off of it. And so now I'm getting back into it again, um, because mainly because I've heard from literally dozens of people that it has one of the greatest uh, final seasons in all of television. And so now that I have to be super. Uh, discerning with my free time I'm really on the lookout for shows that I know have a good ending because we were recently kind of burned by Game of Thrones so uh, like knowing that a overwhelming majority of people love the way the show ends has me really excited to watch it and knowing that it's only three seasons means it's going to value my time so uh, hmm. yeah I 
I'll, I'll recommend The Leftovers because the first episode is actually pretty great. It's very slow burn, but um, get, puts you in the frame of mind for, I think, what the rest of the show is going to be like. So I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I got it. That's a show that I got to get on to. It's been on my shame pile for years. Yep. Um, yeah, I've heard that the second and third season are like some of the best television yep. like ever made. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty stoked. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to recommend uh, a book called Star Wars Master and Apprentice. Uh, so this is um, a new book. It just came out uh, this year, um, actually in April, so it's pretty fresh. Uh, it's written by Claudia Gray. Um, and this is... So I haven't really dug into like a lot of these new like these new Star Wars books that have been uh that are being written like after um after Disney bought uh Lucasfilm but I had to jump in on this one because uh um I don't know about you guys um I know I'm not the biggest fan of the Star Wars prequels um, and I think they're pretty much like, uh, pretty much like hated, um, across like most of society, but <laughs> I am a ride or die, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, this book, uh, is about, uh, the rela- relationship between Qui-Gon Jinn and his Padawan, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, like, I just had to, you know, get this book and read it, and I'm just been really, really enjoying it. Uh, it's, it does this thing where um, it's not quite like every chapter, but they switch perspectives. So, for like one chapter, it will be from like the first person view of Qui Gon Jinn, and then it will switch to um, the uh, point of view of Obi-Wan Kenobi and it's just really cool like getting you know you'll like an event will, will happen um, and then like you'll be inside Qui-Gon Jinn's head and like he'll be talking about how he's not sure if he's a good master and if he's not like giving uh, like good enough direction or like clear enough direction to his Padawan and then it will like switch to Obi-Wan and he'll like be thinking the exact same thing. Like, is he not a good enough apprentice and all that? Um, it's very fascinating. It's a cool look on like that type of relationship and like all these like unspoken, um, like anxieties that people have. Um, and yeah, it's really, uh, it's really great. Um, and, I've been really enjoying it. And honestly, I was looking at some of the other books, uh, the other Star Wars books um, that have been released in just like the past like two years. And they got like a really good, like they got like a really good selection that of like books that sound really interesting. Um, The one that came out right before Master and Apprentice um, is about Padme Amatala, hmm. and it's 
right after like what movie it's right after episode one when she steps down as queen and becomes a senator Mm. and it's about like her like first like her like first like year as a senator um don't know if it's good but it sounds pretty fascinating so i'm i might be diving into some more of these star wars books because um they it it seems uh, i mean master apprentice is so good it's um it's a cool like uh expansion of characters that we already know yeah say Um, what you will about the disney takeover but they are extremely dedicated to the continuity like it's really it there it does lend a certain amount of weight and increased enjoyment for me to know that like this is part of the official canon and it carries real weight for the the universe that it takes part in you know Mm mm-hmm God, they have a- and it's cool because I think it'd be easy for them to just be like, uh, or what? Well, I think it could have gone both like two ways. They could have just been like, "Fuck it, let's like re-release every book that's ever been written, and then let's just like release a hundred books a year mm-hmm. and just like throw just like stuff the tubes with it." Right. Um, or they could have just been like, "Fuck it, only books about." are new characters mm-hmm. and like fuck all those other but they seem to be really like i mean i think there's they're releasing a lot of stuff but um from what i can tell from like just reviews it seems like they're all very high quality so they're cool. taking it seriously and just like kind of telling you know like nothing's off limits but they're just like giving the green light to like writers who have good stories so yeah i have not dived into the extended universe since the disney takeover but that that sounds interesting actually uh, the especially the mm. master and apprentice one that does sound cool mm. um all right that is it for this episode of credits do thank you uh so much for joining us and i hope you'll join us in two weeks when we get on uh, the final leg of this series on Julian Moore and talk about the movie Still Alice which is her first Oscar win um, kind of surprising she win- wins for uh, best actress in a leading role so very excited to watch that um, uh, I hope it's good. At least, I mean, at least we'll get a really good Julia Moore performance from what it sounds like. So, yeah, have, very your, excited. have your tissue box nearby. Uh oh. Yes. It's a real tearjerker. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. It's very good. Oh, shit. All right. Oh, awesome. I'm excited. Very excited. Uh, all right. Until then, um, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen, and you can find the video games that I make on my website, randomseedgames.com. And actually, I'm going to real quick just mention that uh, the game I've been working on for like more than five years, almost six years now, uh, Lacuna Passage, uh, Mars Exploration and Survival Game. Uh, I have, it's been uh, official now for a few months actually, I've officially transferred over development to another developer. Um, They're called Candescent Games and 
it's just been untenable for me to work on it as a solo dev for a while. And so I, um, yeah, I sold the IP and so I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Um, they're still working on transitioning it over to maybe have it ported to other platforms. I don't know. We'll see, but, uh, it's really cool to, to, I mean, it's sad to hand it over to someone else, but I'm excited to see what they do with it and, um, you know, see something that I started and get to see what someone else uh, does with it see what their interpretation of the source material is. So, yeah, Lacuna Passage, check it out on Steam if you want. If you buy it now, you'll get all the updates that they make to it when they uh, officially release their first update. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. Just go support them. Uh, I, I believe in them completely, and I'm really excited to see what they do. So, uh, yeah. That's cool. Sweet. Uh, you can find me, Neil, on Twitter at Dino Neil Man. That's it. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Cron Master. That's C R O G H A N Master. And you can follow the show um, at Credits Do Pod. And until uh, our next episode, where we'll be talking about Still Alice, uh, thank you for joining us. And remember, as always, You know, the devil never dies, keeps coming back, but you gotta keep killing him. Yeah, my mama told me that too. No, mama, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) I can see you're dirty for (laughs) those.